Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life in Sport podcast. And I'm joined by a former NRL player. He played for the Brisbane Broncos, my beloved Brisbane Broncos. He also played for the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs and the Melbourne Storm. And I mean, that's an amazing set list of teams given that two of them are powerhouses and the Bulldogs have been around for longer than both of those clubs. So that's an, an amazing feat in itself. Dennis Scott, thank you for joining us. And how's your morning going so far? Mate, it's going well. As I just mentioned to you before, I'm really battling the holiday blues. I've just come out of a, a 12-day period where I've been at Noosa. Uh, I'm relaxing on the beach and now I've uh, got to get my head back around all things landscaping and selling houses in Australia. Yeah, fair. Well, we'll touch on those topics as in landscaping and selling houses in Australia towards the back end, which is great to talk about because it's a very interesting and very niche thing that not many former players have, you know, sort of got into in that sort of media aspect. But let's get started. You were born in Moranba and grew up in Queensland. What was it like playing junior footy in Queensland? Uh, hot, mate. It was very hot in central Queensland. It was uh, hot and full of prickles. Most fields were uh, were not a very manicured um in in nature so mate there was a lot of bindi eyes and all that sort of stuff um so you wouldn't on. be playing but, barefoot back then no mate uh, i didn't start playing till i was i think 14 or 13 so oh, i wow. was straight into boots yeah straight into boots and then uh mate i was privileged enough to play with the likes of travis norton clinton shafoski uh so where i grew up at uh Marimbara coal mining town it, it actually had quite a significant um breeding ground you ab- could say abundance of yeah abundance of great players absolutely and as you just mentioned two great legends of the game clinton being a raiders legend and obviously travis being a cowboys legend as well um what was it like obviously you said it was very prickly on the fields growing up playing in maramba um you know but then you went up like went down so technically to brizzy and played for the broncos you got graded for them in first grade what was it like and also were they the team that you followed growing up well, I didn't really follow a team growing up. To tell you the truth, oh. I grew up on a I didn't grow up on a cattle property, so we didn't really get much of an opportunity to uh, to watch the footy. So we were probably the BRL, I guess. And then when the Broncos yeah. came in, we definitely had a bit of an interest in it. But I didn't particularly follow any. Set Did you have a side. team in the BRL? Uh, not really. Probably South, where Mal Meninga was sort of, I yep. guess, located. I was a yes, I was a Bob Linder fan. Yeah, yeah, I was Bob a Bob Linder fan yep. growing up. So that was probably the team that I would have supported. Um, yep. and then to get the opportunity to go to a club like the Broncos, which at that point in time were probably at the peak of its powers, whereas everyone sort of in that Queensland mode loved it, and now you've got the. North Queensland Cowboys, um, you know, the Titans. So people have got some choice. Whereas and the Dolphins then, starting this yeah, year well, as well. Yeah, of course, the Dolphins coming in as well. Um, so Broncos were at the peak of their powers. Uh, everyone sort of loved them. A bit like now, you either love them or you loathe them. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're going through I love troubles them. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was fantastic. Honestly, as a 17-year-old, to get an opportunity to come down to Brisbane, and play with a club like that and under a coach like Wayne Bennett was, uh, mate, it was pretty awesome. That's amazing to hear. Um, and it wasn't long. Obviously, you didn't have a long tenure at the Broncos, but you did get another shot in the NRL and that was with the Bulldogs where you played over 100 NRL games for them. So first of all, congratulations, because that's a big feat in itself, playing one game, let alone 100. Um, what was it like at the Bulldogs? Obviously, because you played during that 04 season and around that time where the Bulldogs started becoming a powerhouse club again. What was it like going from Brisbane right all the way down to the Bulldogs? 
Uh, very different. I moved uh, straight down to Belmore, um, which was definitely a bit of a culture shock for a country boy. Um, yep. But, but I mean, it was, you know, the Broncos sort of probably set me up with a great foundation. Uh, and there's a bit of a story, I guess, leading into going to Canterbury. Yeah, please. Uh, five years at Brisbane, and then I got through to the next uh, off-season. Uh, and it was just so hard to compete against likes of Brad Thorne, Shane Webke, Tony Peter Carroll. Ryan. Yeah, it was just incredible. Um, so I started a preseason at the Bronx and then Wayne came up and spoke to me and he sort of said, oh, look, I just don't know whether we're going to keep you or let you go. And this was halfway through a preseason. I was like, bloody hell, that's a bit rough. Like, you know, yeah. I've already done half a preseason. Um, and then he came back and he, and he spoke to me about a week later and he said, look, I'm going to let you go, uh, but I want you to go to Canterbury. And I said, well, mate, whether Canterbury want me or not, that's a different story. I can't yeah. just like click fingers and all of a sudden demand that a club has me. But me he up, had yeah. a great yeah, he had a great connection with Bob Hagen. Him and Bob Hagen were great mates. Bob Hagen yep. was a CEO. Uh, and within 72 hours, um Canterbury had flown to Brisbane um and sat down with myself and and my manager and we'd nutted nutted it out and pretty much I was heading to heading to Sydney, which is something that I sort of never ever wanted to do. I sort of said to myself I didn't really want to go to Sydney, but I also sort of on the flip side of the coin said if if I don't go, then I'm always going to have these questions of what, like what if, if and what, yep. yeah. So I didn't want to be sitting in a pub in 20 years time and someone sort of saying, oh, you know, you didn't make it, and I go, well, I'd rather go. Well, I failed trying than you know you sat here and just you know exactly. Would drink so Sydney was uh, was fantastic. It was a different stage of my life. Um, my wife um, came down, and um, we had six fantastic years at Canterbury. It was a bit of a roller coaster. But, it would have been um, with, with with the O two season and then the O four yeah, season. O two, O four. I think there was another one in there somewhere, mate. I don't know. What, it's all what was the O two season like? Obviously, as you said, it's a blur now. But like, obviously, everyone who follows rugby league will know the infamous, you know, it BS salary that was going on, salary cap stuff that was going on. You as a player, were you aware of that? That of what was going on, or were you just kept in the dark, sort of thing? If you don't mind me asking. No, look, I wasn't aware of, uh, I guess, the magnitude of okay, yep. what was happening as far as I I didn't know what, you know, Mark O'Mealy was on. I didn't know what Willie well, Mason was you, on. You wouldn't really discuss that with teammates, would you? Well, no, not not really. Some some people like to sort of, you know, slip it in and make yep. mention of it. But, mate, I was never a, made a big money player, so I didn't uh, have anything to scott about. Um, so I guess I sort of, in a way... The way they dealt with me, I sort of, I figured, oh, maybe that's probably the way that some other people are being dealt with. But as I say, to the magnitude of it, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then once it all came out, it was obviously a, a big shock to the system. Um, and I was sort of right on the cusp at that stage because I'd played, I'd played enough first grade and I was selected to play first grade that week. But then Steve folks rang me the morning of the game and said, look, you've got two options here. You can play first grade, which I want you to play first grade. You know, you're obviously uh, fit enough, enough and all that. Grade. Yeah. To get in the first grade side. And I, I understand if you, that's what you want to do. Um, but then he goes, well, you can also, you know, help some young guys out or younger guys. I wasn't exactly old, but he said, you can help some younger guys out 
and you can bite the bullet and go back and play reserve grade because I was right on that eligibility role. Like I yep. hadn't played too many first grade. If I played one more first grade game, I wasn't eligible to go back to reserve grade. So he gotcha. sort of said, do you want to go back to reserve grade? And then, you know, there's a possibility of of maybe keeping our club sort of in the, I guess, in the headlines. In the green, yeah. Yeah, and, and going well and possibly winning a, winning a premiership. So I sort of said, look, let me think about it. So I rang Darren Smith and Steve, a few, a few players that were playing first grade. And, yeah. you know, it was 50-50. Everyone was like, mate, you don't play football to play reserve grade. You play football to play first grade. That's and, you true. know, so I was like, geez, like, what do I do? But then, mate... I made the decision to go back and play reserve grade and, and it was probably a great decision. I played with some fantastic players back there as well, Stephen Hughes and all that sort of stuff during that 2002 uh, year. And, mate, we, we ended up going through and winning the premiership. Which is amazing given, unfortunately, the which I reckon the Dogs, if they hadn't have been stripped of the points and all that sort of stuff, and as in the first grade club, would have also gone on to win the grand final that year in both grades. But, unfortunately, it's... You know, it is what it is, but it's good to hear that you guys managed to get the win in the reserve grade. And then two years later, 2004 season rocks up. Unfortunately, you didn't play yeah. in the grand final, but the, you were part of that season. And, and as they say, it's not just 17 guys on a field on the grand final today. It's a whole club. It's a staff. It's all them that take you and get you to that grand final. What was that season like for you? The the season was great. I mean, my whole time at Canterbury was was awesome. Um my the whole six years that we there, I mean, we did have a couple of years where we were a bit lean, but it's just an attitude around the club that they just want to win. They were yeah. winners regardless. Like we'd never faced a side that we didn't think we couldn't beat at that yeah. point in time. I think folks who was, was always positive about. Um, and, I don't know, th- and I don't think that's an arrogance either. I think that's a, a confidence in your no, abilities. Absolutely. And um, when you look at the side, like, uh, you know, it was there was stacked. nothing... Yeah, it was stacked, but but there was no like just individual. There were no uh, superstars. No, not at all. So it was just all uh, together. That combination that we just sort of had, um, it just worked. It gelled yep. together. I mean, you had the likes of you know big Darren Britt, who mate, he'd be the last person if you looked at him that you'd think was a you know professional athlete. Um, yep. But you he had- was just a superstar. He was like his his leadership qualities. Um, Jonathan Thurston as well. Thurston, correct, mate. It's there's there's a an array of names and players there that just you know together came together and and we had a great time. Um, sadly, yes, I did uh, get injured. I think it was about six games out, and ironically, it was against uh, in the Melbourne Storm game, which I went went to join. Um. And I missed out. Look, I was bitterly disappointed um, and sort of still look back on it as a, as a really lost opportunity to have got um, a legit grand final ring, even though I do have a grand final ring. But um, I think it's still, it, as you said, as a player, like you didn't play in the game, so it may not mean as much maybe like it, as, as it would have to you if you'd have played in the grand final. But as I said, it takes a squad, it takes a club, it takes a staffing, it takes a whole organisation to get a grand final win in, in a season. So honestly, you, you're just as important as the 17 blokes that played that game on that night. Yeah. Thank you. I do try and tell myself that sometimes when, uh, when I look back on it, but um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. It's one that, you know, you're competitive, you want to be involved in the game and so forth. So, you know, there's always going to be that lingering sort of, you know, I wished I was playing, but mate, as you say, to be involved in a club, uh, and and be involved in a premiership winning club 
and the parties afterwards and all that sort of stuff. There's, uh, mate, I've got I've got plenty of stories to be able to tell my kids and and anyone that wants to listen, mate. So it's um, that's fair. I've just thought of a question real quick. It's about that. It's a it's a would you rather, but it's because as you said, you were injured six weeks out from the big dance, and unfortunately, yeah. you said sometimes you think about you know what if. Well, Nico Hines sat on the bench the entire eighty minutes of that twenty twenty grand final. Would you rather have done that? or been injured and not played at all, like, sort of thing? I think I would have rather been injured and not yeah. been able to play. Like, to sit on the bench for 80 minutes and and legit know that you're able to go out on the field, yeah. um, I think that would have crushed me even more. But to, to know that you're injured um, but have contributed to the year, I think, yeah. for me, it sits better in my mind than having yeah. to sit on that bench. Knowing and that you're that's not a shot at Nico either. Anyone that's listening, no, not that's not all. a shot. I just wasn't sure because they're definitely two similar but very different situations. Yeah, and I mean, mate, the proof's in the pudding, though. Like, the character of the, of, of Nico Hines, oh, mate, it just yeah. shines. Like, he, you know, he got on with it. He, he partied. He celebrated. He did whatever he had to do because he contributed to that year. And then, absolutely. mate, look at, look, at him, look at him now and look at the Super year after. I think, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hats off to – well, hats off to both situations, mate. Honestly, yeah. it's difficult either way. But as a, as a sports person, you know, you're competitive. You just want to get out there and play and help your mates. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's absolutely it. And it's amazing. And as you said, um, you went from the Bulldogs that year in 2004 to the Storm in 2005, which ended up being your final year in the NRL. Uh, what was it like again going down to another city further south down in Victoria and all that sort of stuff for you? Uh, it was it was, uh, it was almost like going to a deportment school. Um, wow. It was... The, the three clubs that I went to were, were at different stages of my life. So, you know, I was young and impressionable when I came under Wayne and he was yep. a real father figure and, and just sort of guided you into and massaged you what you had to be. And then he actually let me go to Canterbury um, and he wanted me to go to Canterbury to, to try and learn my craft because that was a more forward orientated club. Um, so oh, absolutely. Under Steve Folks was incredible um, and, and really sort of learnt my craft. And I knew Craig from Brisbane when uh, Craig, Craig Bellamy was a trainer at Brisbane. So yep. it just was a chance meeting with with Craig that then I was about to sign with Canterbury, but uh, a chance meeting at a at a game and Craig said, don't sign yet. Come down to Melbourne. We'll show you around. And uh, my wife is pregnant with our first daughter. So it was sort of, we were, we just sort of had enough of the Sydney life and that, that yeah. roller coaster of salary cap scandals and sex scandals and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, I mean, luckily so, you didn't stay at the storm for too long because obviously that salary cap. Yeah. yeah, Mate. Yeah. Correct. Um, so going to Melbourne, but under Craig was like a, was like a finishing school. It was almost yeah. like uh, it had a, it had a half cut diamond, but then he just tried to polish it up and, and made me, into a bit more of a ball player and made me use my smarts a little bit more instead of sort of trying to use, use your brawn. Yep. Yeah. I didn't necessarily have all the brawn in the world anyway. So mate, it was, it was really good. So each club I sort of went to, it was almost a, a trans transition in life as I yep. sort of went through it. So it was, it was great for my career. That's awesome. Did you end up going to any AFL games while you were down there? Yeah, I went to a few. Um, I'm a Demon team? supporter. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, a, I'm, I'm a Collingwood fan. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we went to uh, a few Collingwood games um, yep. because Collingwood, we, we were sort of training with Collingwood sort of yep. in the same 
vicinity. Um, but, you yeah, know, I didn't have much luck, mate. We sort of got forced to choose a side when you are down there. My wife, yeah. we lived in Richmond. So my wife chose Richmond. So she had instant success when we sort of went down there. It was like Richmond everywhere. Um, yep. So I chose, I chose the Demons because I had a mate that uh, he was, he's a Demon supporter. So You would have loved it, the grand final in 2021. Absolutely, it was awesome. But um, yeah, we're sort of struggling a bit now. Since then, we should be doing a bit better than what we're what we're doing. I, I agree. Still made finals though, but I, wait, you did make finals twenty twenty two, didn't you? Or maybe I'm confused. Yeah, yeah, made yeah. finals, but it was a, a, an instant bomb out. Like it was, yeah, yeah it was. There's a bit of in house fighting going on there by the sounds of it. That, and I also think that it's harder to go back to back because you know teams sort of figure you out after that grand final sort of thing. Yeah, correct. I agree. Um, and, and they they just played a tough and tenacious and determined football all year, and they were consistent. They so, yeah. and I think being injury free for for uh, for a predominant part of that is a huge uh, success to you know to yeah. to be able to win the grand final. And that's that's one of the biggest keys for an NRL side. If you can remain healthy, um, that's that's a huge a huge part. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I've got some quick fire questions and then we'll go in and talk about selling houses Australia and your time and whatnot. So the quick fire questions are, first of all, what's your beer of choice? Uh, Can't beat a cold Corona on a hot summer's day, but uh, beer of choice, I don't mind a good schooner or two is new. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say maybe Forex because you're a Queenslander, but two is new. Okay. No, I'm not. To tell you the truth, I don't want to. I'm not. I don't particularly like Forex that much. I, I can drink Neither it, do I. I yeah, prefer Great Northern over Forex. Yeah, don't mind it too. He's new. Yeah, nice. Uh, how do you like your steak? Uh, medium rare. Yeah, <laughs> the only way to have it. Absolutely. Yeah. A- Apple or Android? Uh, Apple. Apple all the way. I'm uh, Apple phones, Apple uh, iMacs, uh, MacBook Airs. Yep. Yeah, we yeah we're an Apple family. Absolutely agreed with that. Uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh. Geez, as a kid, it would have been Top Gun. I watched it a thousand times. Um, mate, I tell you, you can Shawshank play Top Gun now. Shawshank's also yeah, a good well, one. Yeah, well, no, probably I'd probably be more leaning towards Shawshank Redemption or or something like that. In the name of the Father, a Daniel Day Lewis movie, which uh, yep. I was very impressionable. Which yeah, something like that, mind yeah, you. Nice. Yeah, look, I. I yeah, I'm I'm not a huge movie buff, but I'd say I'd say Shawshank Redemption. That's that's one of the main answers I get from guests. They either say Shawshank or they say um Green Mile or something like those sort of yeah, cinematic masterpieces because I, mean, I love both of those films as well. Yeah, mate, you can't go past Forrest Gump either, just no, quietly for, uh, for an absolute classic. But you really uh, I mean can't. Shawshank Redemption, it was um it had it had it all. It had a good it has story. everything. Yeah, good plot. It had a bit of action and, yeah, sort of kept you interested. Oh, absolutely. And obviously, what's your favourite uh, type of music? Uh, mate, no. I, this And this is genuine. I, apart from heavy metal, mate, mm. I will listen to anything. Like, doesn't yeah, matter. Nice. Um, as long as it's on the radio and it's going and it's sort of, you know, what, a bit of tunes. But, yeah, I'm not into into that sort of heavy movie, uh, heavy metal. Ah, uh, you um, see, whereas I'm a metalhead, uh, but I'll also listen to anything. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm not a you know I'm not into that like Pantera stuff and all that sort of thing, but um, yeah, a bit of Gunners in the background is fine yeah, nice. as long as it's not blaring away. I don't, I'll listen to anything. Yeah, fair. Um, and there's another fa- final quick fire question before we get into wrapping it up with selling houses, um, yep. retirement, and all that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Dolphins coming into the comp? Because what I thought was you played in the last basically the last sort of era when there was an odd amount of teams. 
which were, there was yep. 15 before the Titans. And then, you know, it was Titans all the way through. And now there's another odd number with 17. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Dolphins joining and how it's all going to go in general for the NRL? Um, I think it's going to create some headaches yep. uh, for the NRL being an odd number of teams. So whether that means one has to go or we actually have to try and incorporate another one, I just don't think there's enough players to incorporate another side. I agree. Well, um, if so, which club do you think folds? Like if it turns out to yeah. go go awry for them? And that's that's a really tough one because, I mean, all clubs are... My yeah, my choice is the Titans. I've always said this. And it's not because I'm a Broncos fan. It's because um, they've not made a grand final since they were they implemented. Haven't, haven't, yeah. They haven't made they a grand final. The they've only made the semis. They've got more spoons than they've got finals appearances. Um, yeah. Now, granted, the Warriors haven't won a grand final either, but they've made two grand finals since their inception. I just think the Titans, I hate to say it to anyone who's listening who's a Titans fan, I just think that if if shit goes pear shaped for the NRL when it, because of this, and they need to let a club go, that it needs to be the Titans, or maybe put them in Q Cup instead, so they can still exist. Yeah, I I do tend to agree with you. I just honestly, I I do just think it was. I, I wouldn't have put in the Dolphins. I would have waited at least another twelve months to yep. uh, two years, and then bought it. Then bought a side in. Yeah. Let it sort of find out its feet a little bit. Like I think they've, you know, with Rusted the trouble that had to attract a marquee player and all that sort of stuff. I don't think they sort of thought it was going to be that that difficult. Um, yep. I, I think Redcliffe are blessed because they've got such a good following with yep. their local club that you know they've instantly got a bit of um, success in that way. But look, I think that I think the Dolphins will do better than what people are giving them a chance of yep, doing. I agree. I don't with think that. they I don't think they'll get the wooden spoon. No. Um but they'll they'll struggle for a few years. So yep. I mean look if I was in charge of the NRL, which mate there's much smarter men than me in charge of the NRL, I probably would have held off for another 18 months to two years before I sort of bought another side in. Yeah. No, that's totally fair enough. And I agree with that. And I also agree with the statement of they're going to do better than people think. I definitely don't Ed, do not see them making top eight, but I definitely don't see them making the spoon. I think we'll personally, I think we'll see them maybe go between 11th and 14th, maybe. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I was going to say probably 10 to 14 or something like that. 10 to, yeah, but I I think they'll surprise a few people. I mean, yeah. mate, Wayne, Wayne Bennett hasn't been doing what he's been doing for however long um, to, to be going into a side yeah. and be wanting to win a wooden spoon you know like um, <laughs> absolutely and and Redcliffe itself as far as the amount of money that they've spent uh and the nrl they're they're not going to be wanting to win a wooden spoon they're, no, they're going to be no. going in they're going to be trying to play as and hard turn, and, and, and turn heads while doing it absolutely so i just think their facilities and everything up there you know they've got that right but just the amount of players that we've got as far as quality goes in in the game at the moment, I think we're probably a little bit light on and we yep. probably could have waited sort of that 18 months before yeah. we sort of pulled the trigger. It just seemed to happen really quickly for it me. Did. Like it did. It really did. It, yeah. Like when the NRL announced that the Dolphins, you know, the, the whoever the club was going to be, you know, because it was a, amongst yeah. a few that had bidded. I was, I was, uh, word vomit, I wasn't expecting to hear the announcement until like six months after it was announced sort of thing. Yeah. I was preparing for the May, but we found out in like the November sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I was sort of going, well, if they're going to make the announcement, it'd probably come in at 2024, not 2023. Yeah, so I mean, exactly. it's been, been a really condensed uh, section to, 
get a team together and get all this sort of stuff happening. And then actually now, you know, we're only a month only and a bit. Eight, yeah, yeah, I know. Eight weeks away from the start of the season. Like it's just your six. Yeah, it's like yeah. Man. Well, and it's an extended season as well. There's 27 rounds now instead of 25, and there's three yeah. buys like for every club throughout the season because it's a round of buy. Um, yeah, it's 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 insane. But I, I think it's good. But I also definitely think they should have and could have waited. Um, yeah. Let's get started on talking about your retirement from the NRL. First of all, how was the transition from retirement? You know, sorry, from the NRL into retirement. Uh, shit house. Yeah. Mate, um, Sounds about right. It was, mate, it was, yeah, it was shit, mate. It was, uh, you know, you sort of, it was like finishing grade 12 again and you go, what do I want to do? Um, it, it was, uh, it was a shock to the system and I was actually, oh, I thought I was actually pretty prepared. I'd done a diploma of sports journalism. Um, you know, I had a, a work background. I was mechanic by trade. So I had a trade under my belt. Um, Look, the the NRL say that they, you know, have got this education and welfare stuff happening, but you, you know, they're trying to find these players like just easy trainees jobs and bits and pieces, just so they can tick a box. I think in a lot of cases, yeah. Um, I kind of tend no to matter, agree with you. And no matter how prepared you think you are, um, you're mate, not you, until you, it happens. You're not prepared. Like it's you're back in the big bad world. You know, when you're playing football. You're told what to wear to training, what time to get to training. It's basically like school. It's structured. Absolutely. And you, you know, you're told what time flight. So you don't have to think for yourself. And then all of a sudden you come out in the big bad world and, um, and, and you've got to do everything yourself, mate. It's a, it's a shock to the system. So mate, when I retired, look, I did everything from, um, labor hire to mate, I was stacking shelves at Woolies to make ends meet, um, in the middle of the night and, Mate, just you just got to do what you got to do. I had a young family, um, yeah. you know. I think there's a lot of lot of young guys out there, or a lot of guys out there that probably won't be prepared to do that. So, yeah. Uh, and I, and I and I do think that in a lot of cases, there's a lot of marquee players that go into these so-called welfare roles who have never particularly had to work a day in their life anyway. Like you know, they get yeah. straight, straight straight back into the club because of their mate uh, playing careers and whatever which is great but i just don't know whether they're the right people to be trying to teach these young kids about resilience and all that sort yeah, of yeah the stuff. harsh facts of actually getting out there and and bloody you know working yep no i tend to agree with you and you did a carpentry apprenticeship which also led into um what is now selling houses as australia and also uh lush landscapes so first of all how is that apprenticeship for you because as you said you'd already had a trade under your belt as a mechanic and so going into another trade so what was the how was the transition going into that and then how did selling houses come about for you yeah, yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny one i sort of did a little bit of landscaping then i went into carpentry and uh because it was going to complement my landscaping and then yep within that business um, who I was sort of working with a mate, he sort of got asked about some landscaping stuff into some high-end developments. And I said, well, why don't we do it? And then we did it. And then we sort of had this little business inside, which is my business now, Lush Landscape Solutions. Yep. Mate, it just got to the point where it was too busy for me to do the carpentry and the landscaping. And, yep. and then he basically offered it for me uh, for a dollar and said, mate, take it. Why don't you go for it and have a crack at it? And that was, you know, that was, I was 38 or something or 39 months. So I was like, well, now's my chance. Let's do yeah. it. Um, and then it just happened to be 
uh, one day, another mate of mine who's got a little landscape business, very similar to me, uh, it's not big. He sent me a link for um, an audition for Selling Houses Australia. And I sort of looked at it for a couple of days and I went, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I didn't tell my kids or anything like that. But again, Just in it was case like you that, didn't get it sort of thing. Well, it's sort of like that same situation. You know, I just go, well, I'm better off having a crack at it yep. and failing. And, and at least I know that I've ticked that box. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and I try and tell my kids, you're better off having a crack at something and failing than not having a crack at it at all. Cause you just, yeah. you're not going to know like if you don't try. Um, Absolutely so agree then, with that. Yeah. So I got an audition tape together with, uh, with a, a mate who's had a little PR business and um, then they asked for a second audition tape. And then um, I was like, wow. And we would organize the golf trip to Barn Boogle. <laughs> Tasmania. So I said, yep. mate, why don't we do the second audition tape in Barn Boogle? It makes it tax deductible for both of us. Like, so let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we did the second audition tape in Barn Boogle. It sort of was a 12 month process. And then they rang me, uh, I think it was April, April the 2nd, or April the 3rd and, and said, Oh, we'd just like to offer you the position. I was like, yeah, okay. And then, um, but then they were like, Oh, you know, can you start filming in essentially it was like 10 days or a couple oh, of weeks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So uh, what what was a twelve month proposition as far as the duration of audition tapes and all that sort of stuff? Um, then became mate happened really quickly. Got to get in and get it done. So yeah, and wow. Here I am, mate. Resigned for we're about to start filming um, our third season for Selling Houses Australia, and the second one will start airing. I think uh, back end of March or start of April. Yeah, nice. And um, just for reference, for anyone who's needing, you know, landscape services and whatnot, what areas do you service uh, in Queensland? And I'm guessing maybe New South Wales. Uh, well, like, mate, anywhere. So right the way through to Byron, all that, all that sort of stuff. Mate, honestly, whoever wants to pay me to come and landscape their place, we can, we can travel as far as we have to. Um, predominantly, though, it's, uh, it's it, anywhere from Gold Coast to Sunshine Coast. Yeah. We will... Um, we will we will accommodate. Yep. Um, but we try and we try and remain in the um in the in the Brisbane sort of I guess area. Yeah. Now that's fair. So anyone who's needing and or looking for landscape services, the links will be in the description below of this episode on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Um and I've got two more questions for you and then we'll wrap it up. First of all, what's next for Dennis Scott? uh mate next is just holding on honestly this uh <laughs> selling as australia is it's a bloody whirlwind i tell you um yeah. it's busy so they've got a schedule which when you look at it you might as well just screw it up and throw it out because it just never runs to yeah. mate, runs to and that's not anyone's fault it's just no. a case of naturally the beast you know we had covid where i was stuck away for six months like it's been it's been a baptism of fire um so really what's next for me is is really mate trying to sort of uh, utilize and make the most of of this opportunity that I've been given with selling houses Australia, um, yep. and, and keep that ticking along and make that benefit my business. Um, and now I don't necessarily need any more work. I've never had to advertise. Of you know, we don't have signage on cars or anything like that. It's all been sort of just keeps ticking along. Uh, but what it may help me do is maybe choose some of the bigger jobs and some of the nicer jobs that I actually want to do instead of sort of doing a lot Trudging of Trudging along and going through the smaller jobs. Yeah, just going through the motions. So it actually might make, you know, I might sort of be able to go, oh, look, let's do this job or let's do that job. So it gives me then that choice, hopefully. Yeah. So what's next for me, mate, is um, 
mate, getting my daughters into university and through school and, mate, just keeping things ticking along. Uh, hopefully fit a house renovation in there, mate. Oh, you know, the world's my oyster, really. <laughs> That's um, it. No, but really, honestly, at the moment, it's just about consolidating where we're at yep. and making making the most of the opportunity that, um, that I've sort of been given through Foxtel and the Lifestyle Channel with Selling Houses Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And my last question, and I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is because it's been a sort of running theme throughout this interview. And it's what what advice would you give for youngsters? I'll say what I think you're going to say, and then you, it's probably going to be different. But it's give it a crack because if you don't, you'll you know you'll never know. You'd rather fail it, try and fail, than never try it all, sort of thing. Uh, mate, absolutely. If you don't have a go, then you just you're never going to know, honestly. So That's a great saying. If if you don't put yourself out there um, at the risk of failure, then then you're never going to you know really have you succeeded because it's one of those things you you just well it's you mate if you don't have a go you just you're never going to know um that's it yeah and it is and honestly the other thing with with young guys is is just work hard and and i guess in essence with working hard and and having a go um mate i sat to my daughters all the time um it's a little running theme and a bit of a joke in our house it's just like mate ultimately just don't be a dick yeah like, literally yeah. Yes, you know, say say hello and look someone in the eye when you when you're shaking their hand and and having a conversation. Just don't be a dick. Like, yeah. mate, don't be a dick. It's gonna go alright. Like, you, mate, life's it's pretty there. simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah, for you to grab, like, just mate. Yeah, don't be a dick. And if you don't have a go, you're not gonna know, mate. And I think that's a 